What's up, everybody? How you doing? And welcome back to another episode of Living Life Intently. I'm your host, Lee Frazier, and I want to send a huge thank you to everybody who reached out over the last week, all pumped up, all fired up that this podcast is back on the internet. I want to send a huge thank you as well to everybody who reached out and, and gave me some suggestions on people to interview or topics to cover. And I'm really looking forward to sitting down and recording more of these episodes over the next couple months. I hope all of you who are listening from Eastern Canada are as fired up for winter as I am. The snow is finally on the ground here in uh, in Cape Breton, and I'm pretty, pretty excited to get out on some snowshoe trips this winter. Uh, in the meantime, we will be launching a sort of blog and vlog with some tips on you know where to stay up in the highlands in the wintertime, some cheap uh, excursions, um, and like, you know, recommendations on gear and how to stay warm and comfortable in this winter hiking exploration adventure season, I guess. Um, this week, I've sat down with a good friend of mine, Mr. Jonathan Canary, aka Hollywood, as we call them around here in Marguerite. Um, we've kind of crossed paths sort of through mutual friends over the years, uh, but it was only until a couple of years ago um, that he came down and did a little work for us here at the campground, uh, helping out with some carpentry stuff that we got to know one another. Uh, he's got a pretty great story, and uh, we kind of hit it off, and he's been tagging along on some of our adventures over the last couple of years. So we sat down, chatted about his why, why he's pushing himself, why he chooses to push himself to push his boundaries, and uh, the effects that has had on others around him. Yeah, so we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, if you guys want to give us a follow on uh, on all of our social channels, is at Live Life Intense uh, and myself. It's at Lee Fraser Official on Instagram, and uh, our emails Live Life Intense at gmail.com. So send us some more suggestions, and we are going to jump right into this podcast. Let's get this going. Yeah, right. I haven't even heard about these things yet. And when you told me about it, Lacroix, 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 as <laughs> most people say. But I was like, you told me, you text me this, and then Allie was like, you mean Lacroix? I was like, no, Lacroix. And she's like, no, 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 it's Lacroix. I'm like, well, fuck, it's French. <laughs> it's spelled in French. That's what it said, Lacroix. Yeah, and like or Lacroix, and she's like, no, 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 no. We had this little mini argument. But anyways. Coconut LaCroix. LaCroix. Fuck. I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> but you told me about it, and uh, we're going to give it a good go. Oh, yeah, baby. So I guess this is the start. I like starting these out with a little bit of a random banter. Cheers. There we go. Cheers. That's how we started last one. Ooh. Right? It's not bad. It, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's not bad. It brings a little sassy. I like I'm, it. I'm a fan of the, uh, like I said, the cherry bubbly. It's good, yeah. And really? the lime? Never had the lime. The lime is uh, is impeccable. It's in high demand, Marguerite. It is in high demand everywhere. Is it? Absolutely, yeah. Man. Yeah. So I'm sitting down with uh, Jonathan Canary. Um, who's a friend of mine, lives in Sydney. I'll just let you do a brief introduction so people can understand who you are. And then uh, we'll just fucking jump right into it, baby. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Lee and I met a few years ago. Um, although I've, I've, I heard of you for a very long time from our mutual friend, Devin Farrell. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, we met a few years ago when he was doing, um, the river tubing and we got back into touch 
and uh, did a little bit of work on your property, and we hung out a bit, and... <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> that one was like, going into the summer, I needed somebody to do work on like a building to turn it into kind of like a washing station for all the laundry, for all the glamping tents we have on site, and I don't even know how that... I think I posted up on Instagram. You were talking to Evan. Yeah, looking, and I've only talked to him on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And like we, I, I think I put like a little blurb out. If anybody knows anybody that wants to work for cash, like handyman, blah blah, blah need to do this. And then he reached out to me, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I got a guy." And then uh, I'm like, "Cool, cool, cool." And then he said your name. And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I think I know that guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the guy Devin because it was before, like years before, because mm-hmm. Devin. I was producing music or something, and then Devin was trying to link us up at one point. And Devin was producing us at the time. There was a whole crew of us, songwriters and performers, that Devin was uh, was recording. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's how that linked up. And then he always said your name, and then I don't even know if he gave me your number or fucking whatever. But, yeah, then you came down and did yeah. some carpentry work. Yeah, and I uh, that was really good for me at the time. I just um, I just got sober. A few months before that, so it was good to get outside and and do some things. I was pre- feeling uh, <laughs> feeling pretty shady <laughs> for Dude, the first few yeah, months. Because you, I remember, I remember calling you. We we're chatting about it. I was like, "Yeah, okay, I got a spare room. You can live down here." And and you're like, "Well, there's one thing about that. I got to be back in Sydney at a certain time. I got a curfew." I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't really want to get into the into it, Lee, but uh, yeah, I got. <laughs> I can, legally I have a curfew for <laughs> but uh but yeah so um yeah so I've always hiked and explored ever since I was a kid my our parents took us on all kinds of stuff and uh and as an adult um working with Novastream uh one of our clients is DCBA so we did a lot of of uh hiking camera gear up mountains and things like that um, yeah, for those of you wondering what that is, it's a local regional tourism uh, board. Yeah, Destination board, Cape Breton Association. Yes, that's who we deal with quite a bit. Continue. So, yeah. Um, so, steadily over the past two years, coming up on two years sober now, um, you know, uh, part, part of my recovery program is, uh, you know, meditation and... Um, and I got sober through 12-step fellowship, um, so staying connected with that. Um, you know, Johan Hari often says the opposite of addiction is connection. And, you know, that's sometimes not just connection to others so much as it is a connection to the world around you. And I found it very therapeutic. The more I got out in um, nature, in recovery... Uh, I found it more therapeutic. I found a more of a connection to a power greater than me, which is the universe, the earth, nature, mother nature, you know. Um, I want to keep this a little closer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Ooh, get get right (laughs) in there. There you go. So um, Almost like make out with a mic. uh, No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Most action I got in a while. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I'll like... Now I, I do some guided hikes for some different hiking groups um, for free, for not, not any money yeah. or anything. And I'll take some of the recovery community out and get them experience with nature. And, you know, we have some groups of moms with their kids and 
Um, one of the things I've really gotten involved with is uh, learning how to forage and gather because I find it's something really fascinating about going there, there's so much in nature that nature provides us that we walk by every single day oh yeah you know mm-hmm. um and the more i took notice of it the more i was uh on trails or in the woods um the more i realized is that you know like i don't need to bring any food with me if i'm going on a day hike i don't need to bring nuts and berries because there's tons of berries and vegetables all over the place mm-hmm. um so I don't forage for, you know, meals. <laughs> I don't go out and collect for my groceries. Um, but mostly for the knowledge, it's like a scavenger hunt, you know? Yeah. And when you find your little spots, find wild onions, find chanterelles, find witch's butter or whatever, then you got your little spot for everything, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we've done... We've done a couple of pretty big hikes together. Yeah. We did the ones up the Marguerite. Yeah, those are fun. Those are the ones that we uh, we do. We were trial running for, like, guided trips um, over the last couple of years, just trying to get out and and uh, do something a little bit different because um, most people uh, most people tr- tend to stick to and being just people in general and then all the other kind of tourism or adventure tourism companies – tend to stick to a lot of the same things, which doesn't really interest me much. I'm not really interested in taking people to places that they can easily find, like Skyline Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, what's the other one? White Point. Those are like big because they're super easy, super accessible. Uh, I like really just trying to kind of push people, um, push people beyond their comfort barrier to do something a little bit more than what they thought they were going to do. And sometimes it, does get us in some situations yeah (laughs) we i remember when we did the one to second forks falls yes that was called yeah yeah Yeah. we hiked i don't know how many kilometers it is in but it was pouring rain the entire time and there we hiked the side of the the shoulder of the river bank there's these these giant slippery moss covered rocks (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I totally overpacked. Um, I think my pack was probably 40 or 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, like when the crew of us got there, Lee looks at me and is like, oh, shit, I didn't bring a tent. Like, you what? I didn't bring a tent. Like, well, what are you going to do, dude? And he strung up a hammock and... uh out of like i don't know a piece of cloth or something <laughs> fashioned a, a roof for it it was a, no it was a legit hammock it was it was a real hammock it was a real hammock what was the thing that you draped over yourself it was an emergency bivy bag yeah. that would be uh, if you're unfamiliar with a bivy bag is it's like a bag you put over your sleeping bag uh so it's kind of like a little mummy but it's basically that space blanket but made into a kind of like a little burrito pouch you just cut it open cut it in half (laughs) and i i always have like little i always have kind of like 20 some feet of like a fishing line or something with me uh not big rope but a little bit and then i have some zip ties and a little bit of plastic whatever just little bags just in case it's always in my hiking bag and so yeah i was like put zip ties around 
like rocks to have weight because it was like really light <laughs> yeah. material. So I had to fashion this thing, but you, and then, and then Allie and I, cause it, it wasn't, so essentially I left thinking that Allie brought the tent and not really thinking to double check it. I was like, Oh, she's got the tent. Anyways, we didn't have one. And, but the blanket, excuse me. Oh, I'm burping here, man. This soda water. Um, so the actual tarp that I fashioned over our hammock was too short. So your feet were, were sticking out, soaking wet, <laughs> yeah. and then two people in a hammock all night wasn't the most comfortable. But, but that's that comes with like being comfortable. Like I could have just slept on the ground. Summers, it's not. I'm I'm just so used to doing that sort of stuff. Yeah, that I'm just comfortable, and that that the whole like overpacking for trips. Uh, I mean, I've done it so many different times, but I'm so comfortable with the environment and with knowing what I, the shit that I've actually put myself in, knowing mm-hmm. what I need and what I don't need that I can pack extremely light. Like, especially this, this, uh, snowshoe trip that I did across the Highlands last winter. Um, you slept I, in a hole, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. We didn't have, I didn't bring tent. Oh, well, I, so the cl- everybody that was paying to come on the group had tents but us as the guides the four guides uh my brother myself and two of my friends slept in a hole in the ground and uh <laughs> just dug it every night and with thermorests and put we had a tarp but we put a tarp dug a hole put a tarp and just slept in that and um and i mean you as long as you have the proper gear uh but like as far as clothing i brought one about the clothes that i was wearing yeah and then i had like a nice warm uh puffer jacket and booties and shit at base camp to stay warm and as long as you're warm that Warmth and staying dry will go uh, will do wonders for yourself mentally and subconsciously when you're in those environments. Absolutely. So as long as you're comfortable, and and comfort goes in two two levels. There's comfort with how you feel, dry, that sort of stuff, but then also that will play into being comfortable within the environment. As long as you have the proper gear and you know and you're comfortable with it, then you can be almost comfortable in any fucking shitty ass situation. Like absolutely being soaking wet, hiking up the river. Yeah. That was a, you know, like once we, once we got a camp going on that trip, um, it was more comfortable being able to drop your shit and then hike the other, you know, four K or whatever it was to the the waterfall to the waterfall. Yeah. And that's a really remarkable hike. Um, that's one of the bigger falls on the island, I would say. Yeah. There's two of the biggest ones are up that river. Mm Mm-hmm. Three of the biggest ones on the entire island um, are in that region. One is not on the Marguerite River itself. <clears throat> One is up another brook that feeds into the Marguerite River, and it's off a brook off that brook. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's extremely – it will go up sometime, but it's, like, extremely difficult um, to get in because you're wet the entire time. You're in the brook, and you're going to rock climb all these different sections and get around all these different other waterfalls that just get bigger and bigger and bigger as you get up, and it gets narrower and uh, I took some people up there, and we've had over the years since I was a kid um, had some injuries on that that little hike, broken mm-hmm. teeth, and you know all kinds of yeah. weird things. Because people now you got to wear like you're not wearing hiking boots on that one. You're wearing like ducks, running shoes mm-hmm. to jump rocks and be light. Well, uh, you remember when we got back from that trip i was wearing trail runners to go up and do that trip and when we got back to lee's i just took them off and threw them right in the garbage <laughs> they were falling apart yeah so i mean if that that was kind of like at that point in time was that kind of like a, a more advanced one or i'd say that's yeah like so i've done 
really long hikes up until then and I've done really difficult hikes up until then but that was probably the most challenging with regards to the terrain we were navigating yeah um the amount of gear I had on my back all of it yeah right um so like most of the more challenging hikes I would do um up to then are are you know want are day things in and out yeah. kind of deal right like when we did it that second time it was my, it was when the river was really low it was a little bit easier and not having not having 50 pounds on my back was <laughs> of course is a little bit easier you so know? what would make what what does it why would you decide to do what makes you push yourself to be able to do or not be able to but push yourself to do these things these more difficult things because most people i find will shy away from it a little bit like i found that out quite mm-hmm. a bit like there's a there's a big divide when it comes to you know doing you know i can find a million people to do like Egypt falls and stuff and like these smaller hikes but when it comes to something that's a little more difficult then that drops down exponentially well you know in the summer uh a friend of mine alicia um, her and I went up to Paulette's Cove. Okay, yeah. And for anybody that has not done Paulette's Cove, it's only 11K, but it is the most difficult 11 kilometers. Heart attack hill. Gotcha. It, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> like, that was, I, I, like, I'm 34, like, retired blackout artist, recovering <laughs> drug addict. Like, that was the only time in my entire life I actually considered that taking a heart attack was a real threat to my well-being. <laughs> but, you know, like, the body can take so much more than the mind allows. Yes. You know, um, and you reach a, a type of clarity when you push yourself to a point and then reach a goal. Yes. Like when you push yourself to the point of breaking and then exceed that and then get there, that that clarity, that that sense of accomplishment that you receive is just profound, mm-hmm. you know? Um and and getting to experience those types of places where not necessarily everybody gets to go. Not necessarily everybody has the physical well-being or mental capacity to make it to those places mm-hmm. um, is really remarkable because you know then we get to share that with those people yes um, whether it's in pictures or video or talking about our experiences or whatever <clears throat> for me personally you know three years ago I would have walked 11k in sock feet in a snowstorm for a bag of drugs so (laughs) (laughs) so like there's no reason why i can't gear up and hike 11k up a mountain or hike 11k along a river um to see something much more spiritual and profound than you know anything any kind of drug could ever give you yeah and that that adversity and trying to push yourself to push yourself to the limits of what you think you can do um and the the mental clarity that you talk about 
is pretty much like a drug in itself because mm-hmm. it becomes addictive because you can consistently want to push that barrier. So now that you've done Paul's Cove, it's like, okay, well, Roger, that I've done this. So what else can I do that's in that realm or maybe a little bit crazier? Um, and then you keep searching for it and you cannot replicate that feeling uh, any other way other than to push yourself to do those those difficult tasks that you feel a, a sense of accomplishment accomplishment at the end of. You could, there's no way of replicating that. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> like I, I would draw a comparison to, so I, I uh, you know, I copped a bunch of drug charges. That's how I ended up being driven to a point to, to surrender to addiction, essentially. Other yeah. than that, you know, if I didn't get arrested, I, I don't know if I'd be dead now or I definitely, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was in really bad shape. And, when I told my lawyer how much drugs and what drugs I was doing every day, which I won't get into here, but um, he just told me I was lying. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, 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 no. There's absolutely no way you could do that every day. Like, I absolutely did do that every single day. It, <laughs> so, you know, like, it, Hunter S. Thompson says, you know, come, you're collecting. I don't know what he says in Fear and Loathing, but you have a drug collection. You try to push it as far as it can go. And that's kind of like exploring and adventuring, you know. You want to see how far you can get up the mountain. You want to see how far you can get into the woods, how secluded you can get from other people. Yeah. Um, and how much you can push yourself. Uh so when you you so I, I a couple a couple of weeks back before Christmas I ordered some some stuff from your shop, um, as some gifts for some friends, <laughs> and uh, Lee included a postcard in it that says you know thanks and blah 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 and a little arrow and I flipped it over, and it says, <laughs> you better start training for the hike across the Highlands in February. Yeah, I'm like the what? Oh my god. Are they doing that again? Okay, I'm in. <laughs> so, like, I remember talking to Ash Mack, and she said it was just remarkably difficult. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, crazy snowshoe. Like, I, I mean, I don't know if there's any truth to this, cause I, but she said it was somewhere around 80K. Yeah. Yeah. By the time we're done, yeah. So, I mean, this summer, the first summer I got clean and sober, I might have done 100 kilometers of trails or 150. Yeah. This summer I did like five to 600 kilometers of trails. Not one shot, obviously, over the course of the summer. So it makes me think that, you know, I can do, I can do 80K in five days hiking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Snowshoeing? That's going to be difficult. It's snowshoeing with like 40, 50 pounds on your back. Absolutely. And then also snowshoeing in that and then being... Even though we're not that far, like on a grand scale, we're not that far away from any part of civilization, but you are far enough that if something fucks up, you need a helicopter. Like there was that, that was a whole, like, um, uh, we had a whole evacuation plan, um, and strategy in place with parks canada prior to that and we had set in place anyways and then it was just a part of the process with parks canada and getting like the permits and the okay and all that stuff from them but um because most of that that trip is through the park um but we did have uh contingencies in place in case x in case x 
And uh, luckily, we did have that in place um, because after, like, we had um, one person that was after the first um, the first hike, the first day, which we purposely made shit because we wanted people to fully comprehend what what they're, was, getting, what they're getting themselves into. So if they needed to turn back, all we had to do was turn around, go back, and then down Franny, and you're out of vehicles, and you could fuck off. Yeah. But anywhere after that point, you're committing to the end because anywhere after that point, it meant evacuation by calling through a spot. We had a spot set up, spot device set up, and it went straight to the Department of Natural Resources, and that would be a full evacuation. And we had people that would – they would call my – basically my father who would – and a crew who had snowmobiles ready. So if they needed to, they could rip up to Shetty Camp Lake and then get us because we had these waypoints. Everybody had waypoints of where we were – technically where we were going to be camping, which changed. Yeah. But, yeah, that trip ended up um, – We I think I th- – I'm trying to think back. I think we planned on like – 65k ish summers around then but by the time we actually did it uh we got kind of deviated our course once uh and then changed it another time um and ended up tacking up a lot more and then we did it through the coldest (laughs) the absolute coldest like four days of the entire winter and it was like minus we figured it was like minus 35 ish like that like i remember uh, one of the guy, my, my friend mac one of the guides basically looked back at me at one point and his like whole nose was just like gray yeah and i'm like mac your fucking face wear that face mask <laughs> and he's like what do you mean I'm like I mac your face he goes oh one second and he licks his hand and starts rubbing his nose and he goes oh that'll fix it and he just keeps walking mind you we've done like th- those guys we've been in some real shit situations together like really Absolutely. shit and we've always pushed each other's boundaries since we were little kids so we're extremely comfortable in that but that was like the trip where i don't think um a lot of people fully comprehended what was actually in front of them they drew like oh yeah the snowshoe trip across the highlands it'd be fun we're camp all that sort of stuff but uh everything else that went along with it i don't think they fully comprehended what they were getting it they do now yeah mm-hmm. they do now yeah that's for sure so like <laughs> so when i read that postcard i'm like oh shit because last year i went to do this we went to snowshoe um blueberry hill yeah blueberry mountain blueberry, blueberry mountain. Hill. yeah, yeah. And I got 3K into it, and my back stitched up. And (laughs) I, like, I thought the girls were going to have to, like, drag me out of there. Like, I thought I was going to have, they were going to have to, like, tow me out. Um, Luckily, you know, we got back to the car, and and I rolled around for a bit, and my back let go and whatever. But, you know, so this year I was like, no, I'm not chancing that happening. So <laughs> I've been doing two and a half hour workouts at the gym, David Goggins style. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I'll be hopefully in the shape of a Marine by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. I've just been doing like, um, the, the biggest thing last year for me was the, uh, it, it's your legs. Cause I didn't do any fucking training at all from mm. that whole trip last year. I was editing the documentary we put out last year and, and, uh, I was in Halifax. I was doing a little bit of like fitness stuff, but nothing like what I was, what I will do this year for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and plus I carried an extra like 40 pounds of film gear that I never used. A, like I used my camera, the the one lens, one camera. I didn't use the drone, the batteries, all that shit. Yeah. Didn't use a fucking, my backpack was heavy as fuck. Well, last year they did. So like a, a couple of weeks after that, um, the boys did Tenerife. 
and they asked me if I want to hook the drone up it. Yeah. And I was like, no, because, <laughs> <laughs> because like if, if I stitch up and that drone, that drone's not getting to the top of the mountain. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then what are you going to do? You know what I mean? You're going to, you're going to dr- go up, drop your gear, come down and get the drone and then hike up again. No way. Right. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave them in a position to whatever, but. But since this year we did so much, I figure, okay, well, the gym won't be so bad. And it's not. Um, You know, I showed a few friends of mine what I have been doing. And a few of them are like, dude. So what what have you been doing? Let's get, come on, let's go. You must have a workout plan going there. Oh, let's have, let's have a look. Was it the old? Uh, I think I got I got from the Goggins book. Was like, did you listen to his book or read his book? No. It's like if you know, and if people are listening to it, and you don't like the guy, whatever, uh, that's fine. A lot of people <laughs> I know don't like the motherfucker, and I find like a lot, like some of the stuff is just like, okay, settle down. But uh, there is a lot of valuable lessons you can learn from from that. And, and what I took away, like, it, anyways, that's him. But. There was a couple workouts that he talks about in his book, and then also in uh, there's a uh, what's his name Jesse Itzler. Mm-hmm. There's a book called Living with a Seal, which was before Goggins was like the well known like social like you yeah. know speaker making money off. This is before he'd want anybody to know who the fuck he was, and he wouldn't allow him to use his name in that book. So it's mm-hmm. called Living with a Seal. So all the time it's like Seal told me X, Seal told me this, and so through those two books that I read. Um, Basically, there's like a nickel and dimes workout, which has become one of my staples. So I have staple workouts that I do to find out how in, in shape I am. And one of them is nickels and dimes, which is a 10-minute um, every – it's called EMOM, every minute on the minute, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. And it's five pull-ups and 10 push-ups. You do it every minute for 10 minutes. And it might not seem like a lot, but it's, it's crazy. Fucked. I can never get, I got it within, like when I start getting it within 10 minutes, mm-hmm. then I know I'm getting back in shape. Um, and then uh, the other one is, I call it f- uh, 5, 10, 15. And I don't know, there's a name for it. It's, it comes from back when I was like going to a CrossFit gym in Halifax almost 10 years ago. And it's five pull-ups, 10 push-ups, and 15 squats. It's essentially the movements that go into doing a burpee, but you do them individually. But if you can get, the movements in sync mm-hmm. you can you know you're doing the pull-up right and soon you're done doing the fifth pull-up you drop down and you go into push-ups yeah and then you push up your 10 and when you're done push-ups you jump your legs up and you start doing squats and when you're done 15 squats you jump up to the bar so if you can get that rhythm yeah fuck man you can bang them out and like when i start working out again if i can get 16 18 rounds you do them as many rounds as you can in 20 minutes and so if I can do 16, 18 rounds in 20 minutes, I know that I'm like, okay. If I don't do that, I'm way the fuck out of shape. When I'm in shape, I can get like the best I've ever gotten was almost 22 rounds in 20 minutes. And that was like puking, leaning over to puke mm-hmm. and then move, puke, move, but like constant movements. I've only got that once. So like, um, you know, I'm in my 30s. I got a bit of a dad bod going. I uh, I don't, I'm not like crazy good shape or anything, but I'm not in bad <laughs> shape, you know. Um, so what I did was I took, I took a Goggins workout and I split it up into three days. So, and I, I dropped the weight a little bit um, 
for the higher repetitions. But like yesterday's was 20-minute stairs, 190-pound uh, chest press, 190-pound abdominal press, 100, 110-pound abdominal press, uh, 40, 60-pound oblique crunches, um, 10, 50-pound single cable curls, 60, 70-pound double cable curls, 100 overhead, 70-pound overhead lats, 100 double lat fold-downs, 170-pound fly rear delts in 20-minute run. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> like uh, I'm like absolutely destroyed coming out of there. But like today, I feel great. Yes. You know, so that's how I know I'm not in terrible shape is that I can destroy myself yesterday and still go to the gym and do it again today. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I've slowly been up in the weight and then dropping the reps. So every odd day I will jump the weight by 20 pounds and then cut my reps in half. You know, so I might not do a hundred tomorrow, today or tomorrow. So you're alternating light, heavy, light, heavy. light, heavy, light, heavy. And I mean, again, I'm no personal trainer or anything like that, but I'm training for um, resilience and stamina and endurance, not so much for looks. It's like good. I'm not, I'm not trying to look like a model. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to get through this hike so that i don't die on a mountain (laughs) (laughs) and a a big part of it is also just the uh, uh, training yourself mentally to just do it and just do things every day and i think that because you're constantly there's a book called the um uh war of art not the art of war by shunzu or shingzu or whatever Mm -hmm. his name is um it's called the war of art by stephen pressfield i believe and i had bought it three different times and people oh, keep stealing yeah, it from me. I remember that. So, yeah. uh, I, I downloaded the ebook after last time I was like, I never read it. And then I started listening to ebook and that's essentially what I didn't get through the whole thing yet, but it's essentially what he's talking about in it. I was told about that book. Um, when I went into this music school, probably five, no, six or seven years ago, it was online when I moved back before I started live life intense. And, um, that was one of the ones that the school, the, the instructors there really pushed on people because it brought to attention the fact that you're fighting against yourself all the time. You're, you're constantly coming up with situations or reasons why you sh- don't have to do this or you don't have to do that. And when it comes to that was in terms of like music and, and sitting down every day and just going through the rhythms of like just doing something every day. Uh, forcing yourself to like finish an idea or uh, write a song or be creative. But then when you apply that to life in other ways and things you don't want to do, constantly doing things you don't want to do will help you build mental, I guess, uh, fortitude or resilience or however you want to say it. It'll, it'll make you uh, accountable for, for everything. And, and bringing it to light will make you understand and listen to those voices sometimes you just don't even pay attention to it you just do it you're like ah well i'll just wait tomorrow but if you can recognize that that's what your body is doing it's trying to tell you no you don't just stay home yeah so so i'll say is that you know like the first day so I, i spent two days in lockup you know and uh i went to a court date my parents came posted my bail and took me home and uh, it was the first time, like, my dad and my stepdad and my mom were in the same room together yeah. since my graduation. So it, <laughs> and so it felt, like, felt really intense, you know? And they're just like, 
not not so much mad but like shocked you know and looked at me and said like what is going on and i just explained to them like that i am full of depression and anxiety that i constantly have a voice in my head that i need to run away from and like so you know i kind of described this a little bit less <laughs> precise but i just you know i just told them like how crazy i feel yeah. and um you know why why i resorted to to my lifestyle you know and um the room was really quiet and my mom looked at me and said i have a book for you like you have a book for me like what? <laughs> like oh, i thought they were gonna yell at me you know <laughs> And she went downstairs and she came up with a book. Um, it's called A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. And she said, you have a problem with your ego. I'm like, pretty sure I got a problem with drugs. <laughs> <laughs> pretty, pretty sure I don't think highly of myself at all, which is what I thought ego was. I thought it was you know someone who thinks thinks highly of themselves or is cocky or confident or whatever that's ego yeah and that can be a result of your ego or a, a production of your ego you know but one thing i recognized was by reading the first 60 pages of that book um is that you know my ego is my inner fight or flight mechanism um, my ego can either build me up to do something or it wants to break me down to avoid confrontation. Because mm -hmm. for thousands of years, we needed our ego to protect us from other tribes and saber-toothed tigers and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, our ego constantly has us second-guessing our actions and our motives yeah, um, because it wants us to stay comfortable and protected. And now that we're generally safe in society, a lot of people's ego just runs wild. It's constantly chattering at you in your head to be insecure. Is that person talking about me? Call in for work today. Sleep in. You'll be more comfortable. It's safer in bed. Like that sort of thing, you yeah. know? And that's really the root of depression and anxiety for me. Um, so recognizing this... I realized that I had made every decision in my entire life based on my ego, that I had been a slave to this fight or flight mechanism that's constantly wants to protect me or me to run away from things, hmm. you know? So now that I have a certain grasp on what my ego is and when it speaks to me, I can I can I can consult myself. I can consult my conscience, which is the other half of my my identity, you know. And I can say, is this a rational fear? Why do I have this fear? What am I pr protecting? Um, you know, is this a selfless or a, sel a selfish act? Um, and most oftentimes, you know, like when I feel anxious or when I feel like I need to run away. Mm -hmm. um, these are not rational reasons for that. But we get so caught up in the anxieties of things that we forget to ask ourselves whether or not they're valid, whether or not 
this thing is actually a threat to me or my well-being. Um, so, you know, it took a lot of practice and uh, a, lot of, a lot of work on myself um, to be able to surrender that part mm-hmm. of myself. And um, so now, like, I find it's much easier for me now to get up and go to the gym to go out and hike today because when my ego tells me no just stay in bed you deserve a day off like no i don't like there's a whole world out there i can go see yeah you know i know i I had a real hard time going to the gym most of my adult life yes you know um whether it's an whether i felt insecure um or uh, uncomfortable around people that are of a higher fitness level than me or whatever, mm. you know. And so it's easy to just say, yeah, well, just don't listen to that part and av- ignore it. But unless you understand why you feel like that, it's just going to keep yelling at you. Yeah. You're going to keep hearing that voice, you know. Um, so I think that is like... A big part of my journey was overcoming that egoism um, to, that, that was preventing me from doing anything valuable um, with, my, with my life or my lifestyle or whatever. Crazy. Yeah. I, it, it's similar. Like I didn't think of it in that way, but it's, it is kind of similar to like, so I came up here today, I was doing random thing for you know uh, yeah, clients client that was a random thing and this is more like something that's not in my realm um but i constantly think of am i like why you know when i'm on the phone with them i'm just like all the uh, my, my initial reaction was to say no i'm not available but then i'm sitting there while i'm on the phone thinking well why am i why am I saying this? Why am I? I am available. What the fuck else am I doing? Yeah, it's going to be a Sunday in Margaree, and what am I going? I'm probably going to hang out and maybe like walk around the property, edit some stuff, work on some woodworking, that sort of stuff. But but why am I not? Why am I running away from this? Because I don't feel that. And this is like uh, I I feel like almost like I think it might be something like imposter syndrome. Like that's not yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? You know what I mean? I'm not like I'm not a photographer. What am I doing? But yet. This client, which is a big client on the whole scheme of things, is like, hey, we want you to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, why did they call me? Because I guess the work that I've done to this state with my own business has built me a reputation. So then they got recommended me from somebody else. So I'm like, well, fuck it. Why not? Why not, why not do this? Yeah. And, and, and then in that whole process was the fear of... Well, fuck, do I have the right gear? Do I, I don't know if I have the right gear. What lens am I going to use? I don't know. I've never done this before. You I know, don't want to fuck up. I think a thing with our generation is that, you know, um, that we struggle with is, am I, am I an imposter? Am I qualified to do this? Because what's been bred into us since we've been kids is that you need a degree for this or you need a certificate for this or a diploma for this or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, so we doubt our own capabilities because we are not educated in something. Yeah. Um, and like falling in line with that is like, I really enjoy taking people on hikes and I'm sure you do too. Um, 
and getting to teach them a bit of history, getting to teach them a bit of ecology and biology, um, some foraging skills, some legends and folklore about wherever we're at, um, especially kids, because it it gives people a connection to the place that you're in. It gives people a connection to nature, which they would not know. Yeah. So, you know, I'll take people to Fairy Hall and we will discuss the legend of Gloosecap's cave and that, that, that whole, that whole, uh, story or, you know, we'll hike to Hume's river and on, in Hume's river, there's like that whole forest is just lush with different types of edible vegetation and, um, and fungi and just getting people to try little things, you know, um, it's really remarkable to see, uh, to see people's perspective on the world around them change in front of your eyes. Yeah. You know, when, when you show them something, you pick up this, like the day you showed me that, that, that clover, that, uh, trifolium brewery. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like, since it's <laughs> for, for those of you who don't know in the forest here, and I mean, pretty well all over North America, there's this little clover, it's got a red stem and, it's got three leaves on it, and uh, but it t- when you chew it earlier in the season, it tastes like uh, blueberry and lemon, and uh, yeah, and it's just a really nice little thing. And we walk on them every single day, but when somebody doesn't know that and they taste that for the first time, and you see their eyes light up, they go, "Wow, I walk by that every time I'm out in the out in the woods. I never knew that he that tasted like that." You know, so so being able to separate people's view of nature for what they think it is and then what it actually is mm-hmm. and giving them a connection and an experience, um, I think it's a really valuable thing. And it's not something that, you know, you can just get from a book. You need to you need to go out and experience that exactly. and have people show you that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing that I've I've found, like, it's not so much. I've got to get more <clears throat> tuned into the oh there we go baby <laughs> tuned into more of the folklore of it and and the history and that that's what I'm starting to get into now I, I've been like involved with a couple um, guided trips with like professors um, from local universities looking at the history of the area and stuff and getting schooled on that my thing was always to try to get people to push themselves beyond what they think that they can actually do and then seeing the 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 seeing their you know during the 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 actual experience it's like to them it's just like overwhelming it's just like every sense is going off they're fucking losing it they don't think they can finish and that ego is saying stop yes rest turn around drink mm. water but mostly i'm like you can't stop because you're going to be fucked if you stop <laughs> like if, if you stop right now you're staying here yeah you're I'm not leaving, motherfucker. Yeah. no but we uh yeah you get them out like i had a group this summer who they came down they were filming um a series i think they're just starting to release it now and uh they were students that came to school uh in halifax and they started this little production company and they came down and i talked to their the 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 woman that was like the lead of the group and she's like, Oh, I want to do this. We're going to come down camp. And I'm like, okay, cool. I can get you guys a campsite. We can put you on the river tubing. I can take you guys in a local guided hike, which is awesome. I just need to know 
what is your experience level? Because the stuff, the guided hikes that we do, I try to get the next, not the entry level, but the next up. Like, so you've done the entry level hikes. Now you want to search what's next. Um, so I talked to her and I was like, what's, what's the hardest hike you've done? And they're like, oh, Cape Split. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, we can do, we can do this one. Uh, this little one in Marguerite. Uh, it's the second one we did in that trip. Yeah. And so on the hike in, um, or sorry, when we got there and we got to the trailhead and uh, I got talking to everybody. Well, she was the only one that did Cape Split. Yeah. Everybody else had never been hiking before. Yeah. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sakes, here we go. <laughs> and that was my, in my mind, that's what I'm thinking. And, uh, but that whole experience, one of the guys was, um, had uh, a fear of heights. So when we're kind of going up the bank where you got to climb this bank and go into this little cavern where the waterfalls is, uh, he's freaking out and, you know, helping him down, helping them through it. But then he gets down there and we get out. And it took us like a lot longer to get out of that because after everybody's like tired and you're wet and it's dark and there's like all these different elements happening. But then we went and had a big barbecue at my place and they had gone back, regrouped, showered, came back. And he's like, man, that was like fucking amazing. Next level. I never thought that I could ever do anything like that. That just helped me realize that this, this, and this. I'm like, well, that's what it's all about is trying to just get out and push yourself a little bit further. Even so to break it down simply, people are afraid uh, every day to go tubing down the river mm-hmm. like because it's out of their comfort zone exactly you know so getting people down to experience that it's funny because people get they're afraid of the water afraid to drown or all that sort of stuff right um realistically we're on a river that's like maybe waist height there might be a pool that's like six feet deep on the section we do maybe maybe but it's funny because they they have this this whole like build up and anxiety and they get down to the river and there's a little kid that's about like six years old and he's running and jumping into the the ocean or not the ocean yeah. into the river and he's jumping around and flipping the tube and and then they go oh well it's not that big of a deal and then once they finish it they're just like wow that was amazing I've never done this I've lived in Cape Breton my entire life and mm-hmm. there's been people that have been from like locally that have never guys that I grew up with that are a few years older than me had never ever been down the river on a tube mm-hmm. and they're just seeing them take their kids and they're like wow this is amazing it's seeing that and that's that's what i get out of it not necessarily like the teaching stories and that sort of that's the kind of the next level but yeah um it's that initial like getting people out to experience things that they haven't actually done before um so i take i took a a few girls of people spelunking this year in uh in fairy hole and then in an underground river uh, up on the backside of that same mountain. And uh, what a really unique experience for these people that are scared of spiders, are scared of bats, are scared of all of these, ira- have all of these irrational fears, which, hey, you know, if that's what you got, then that's what you got. But But rationally, these things are not a threat to you. They're not going to hurt you. They're not a threat to your well-being. So pushing people a little bit to even overcome those little things. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, when you get back to the car, they go, man, that was so cool. Like, yeah, aren't you glad you <laughs> aren't you glad you took the plunge today and went and did that, you know? Yeah, but that might, it might like plant a seed and they might be coming on the Highlands trip in like two years with us. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's, that's the, 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 the crazy part because it, it opens your eyes to this, like we said before, 
or you said before this whole other world that they it was closed off to them and now they've discovered this whole other universe that's there right in front of them it's at their fingertips like i've always had uh i've always had this thing in me where i never say no <laughs> it's a bad thing for a drug addict i think <laughs> <laughs> but you know a few a few missions we went on where i had to hike camera gear up uh what's what's the what's acadian trail oh at the park entrance yeah 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 that is mental that is a crazy hike hiking 45 pound drone on my back (laughs) batteries up that mountain and uh at the time i mean i was strung out and hung over you know like i was so dehydrated and i had been up all night partying and went there with no sleeve (laughs) and like i was in bad shape you know um but I said yes, and I went committed, and I went and did it. So anytime I like get to a hike or get to a point in the woods where I think where my body tells me I cannot finish this, I just remember that. I'm like, well, I finished that. Yeah, that was twenty k, and that was one of the most difficult days mentally I've had in the woods. Now that I'm sober, it's like it's very therapeutic to to drop out into nature, you know? Um, and, and realistically, like, I'm just super glad I don't have to lug a backpack full of beer. (laughs) 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 Well, you find this funny. We had one time we were in, this is like to digress off of what we're talking about a little bit, but, um, we used to go into Paul's Cove. I've been in since the first time I went in was five. Uh, I was like a little kid backpack. Boom. You're hiking Paul's Cove. And uh, I was with all these kids that are much older than me, so I'm always trying to keep up with them. And so I've been going in my whole life. Every year we used to go in and uh, for like you know a weekend. And then when I got into high school, I started going in for like a week and bringing some friends with me. And we'd have friends hike that entire hike with a cooler, a backpack full of food, and canned food, mind you, That's like heavy crazy. shit, and a fucking like a full cooler with two two fours hiking it with, with ice hiking Pollock's Cove hike that crazy. to get in there. <laughs> yeah, that's not... but they would get in and most of the beer would be gone because they drank it on the whole hike in. Yeah, <laughs> so like, we got to lose some weight, boys. Yeah, yeah. and we'd be fi- we'd be fine. They'd be like dropping things, items to pick up on the way out. Um, and you know, you learn from that. You don't do that anymore. But I mean, that was back in the day. But yeah, digging down to find things that you've done before has got that. That is also a good trick that has gotten me through through some shit too. My my my, my favorite lie to tell on a trail is, yeah, it's just a little bit further. Hey man, that's my you classic. <laughs> that's the classic. You're uh, uh, we were hiking out of Paulette's Cove, and you know, it was a long weekend at the time, so there was quite a few people in there, but. Um, there's a lot of a lot of people who had never been hiking. Like there were people on that trail with sandals. Oh, and when this summer? This summer. Oh, we're hiking, listen, hiking into Paulette's Cove into that one, yeah. with, with sandals on, right? Oh, yeah. And that is like that's dangerous. <laughs> and that, I mean that that goes into kind of like a whole other discussion about you know some heat that I ended up getting in this summer because I was just like fed up with the bullshit that I was dealing with um, in Marguerite on the river with waste and picking up after people and, and then seeing that sort of stuff. And, and I think this year, actually I was on, uh, I was on Google and I was on um, 
uh, Google Trends, just searching up search trend. This is for my SEO stuff for my website. And I'm looking up like trends associated with hiking that were searched in you know Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, Ontario, that sort of stuff. Or like that you can. So I'm trying to find out you know uh, trending searches. And Paul's Cove, when you say hiking in anywhere's in the East Coast, Paul's Cove is number one, and it's like the breakout thing. And it was like it surpassed every other search by like a mile. Right. And yeah. so what happened was that a lot of social channels were sharing Paul's Cove. And uh, we've had this discussion before, and people were finding, uh, but through the geotags, the location information. Absolutely. But, but yet we're not actually researching or talking to anybody about what that hike actually is. And mind you, not everybody, people, some people can go and say, I got friends that hike that fucking thing with bare feet. Tall guy goes in barefoot with a backpack on his back. Yeah, but. I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> yeah. So, but just yeah. to give you a reference, right? So then I am hiking out this summer and I'm meeting families, same deal, whole families, no water bottles, nothing. Mind you, you can drink out of all the springs you're hiking by, but, um, you know, just unprepared for what it actually is. Uh, and you know, I'm meeting them after heart attack Hill or they're, I'm on my way out. They're coming in. They just get up heart attack Hill. They're going, how much further is it to the horses? I'm like, dude, that was like the first like three kilometers or not even three kilometers. It's like the first kilometer and a half. Yeah. Like you get a long ways to go and then you had to come out or meeting people hiking in and it's starting to get dark out and they're in like shirtless coming down into the halfway. Well, road. I had a friend that they went in at 5 PM and by the time they got to the last third of the hike, it was pitch dark and they didn't have a flashlight. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going with their phones trying to see the trail, you know, and the dispersion on a phone light is not very good. It's very bright, but it doesn't disperse the same way a flashlight does, you know. <laughs> and... uh so we were camped down there and like, you know, you can see the second peak over yes. from that hill, you know, which is like arguably, you know, maybe a kilometer away or something like that. And you can just see the fl- the lights flickering. And these people are probably out of their minds. Insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, when is it going to stop? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, there's so many stories like that that I can tell you. But yeah, but uh, I mean, as far as like all, all this stuff, like getting into hiking, getting into adventuring, all that sort of stuff, was that your kind of like staying when you decided? I guess you were kind of forced to get sober at one point. But yeah. what, what was like the most difficult part um, of staying sober? And it's probably a fight. I, I see. I'm coming from a world where I I have a different relationship with say alcohol or drugs or whatever um, than you would have had, but what is like the biggest, um, I guess, hurdle to staying sober every day? And does this help like your, your kind of journey into doing all this hiking stuff? Is that a way for you to manage? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a way for me to manage my time and my experience with the universe, with my environment, you know, um, you know, idle hands, idle mind kind of deal. (laughs) Is that <laughs> you know I uh, you know personally um, I I don't have I have been relieved of the obsession of alcohol and drugs um, and that is just a miracle that you know that's not something that I have to avoid every day. Now, did that come with te- like kind of that came teaching with yourself? Yeah, well, it came with working a twelve step program. 
you know, dealing with all of the shit in my life and learning emotional, like actual emotional coping mechanisms for life. Um, you know, but part of that is that psychological thing. But the other thing is like, I need to be of service and of use. I have to have a purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and in many ways, I make that purpose for myself. I, you know, I have a job. I volunteer. Um, you know, I, I, I've reconnected with family and friends in a, in a manner that, uh, you know, I lost over the years. Okay. Um, but the other thing is, is that, you know, we, like I said, we, become, we as addicts become disconnected from our environment we become disconnected from people we become disconnected from nature and reconnecting with that experience is uh something that is truly life-changing you know um and being able to share that experience with others who wouldn't be able who would who can't see that even when they go out you know, there's lots of people that go and, and hike Egypt Falls or or whatever, uh, especially, you know, with their, their kids or their families, mm-hmm. and they walk right by nature. They walk through it, you know, whether they're in their phones or they're in their own head or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so, you know, part, like I said, part of it is the, the meditative and therapeutic practice of being in nature. Um, and then the other part of it is, is being able to share that with other people. Um, you know, a, I find it a very good use of my time, um, being a, <laughs> as opposed to, <laughs> as, a, as opposed to sitting on Instagram, you know, like I wasn't saved from the throes of addiction to sit on Instagram all day to watch Netflix yes. all day, Yeah, you know? Uh, being able to go out and experience things that the universe gave us that that w- whatever you want to call it god or or you know whatever gave us um and be a, be able to reconnect with that and learn about that uh firsthand is is just really invaluable yeah it's something that i've been doing quite a bit recently and i catch myself a lot because you know i i sit and i think about Something that might be, say, you know, there might be some something that I'm dealing with or an issue or problem in my life. But then I wake up every morning and I have to sit there and, and un- realize and be thankful for the position that I've been put in as far as what I do for a, for a living and what I've been able to experience. Like there's very little... Um, other jobs, like I've done other jobs and traveled and done things, but it was in search of something else. And now I get to wake up every day, like at the crack of dawn, Absolutely. And walk outside, and I'm on, you know, beautiful in the summertime, not right now, but I can walk outside barefoot. Well, right now, sometimes it's barefoot. It's still beautiful. You know what I mean? And, and I, I get to experience being in nature night and doing things that people, you know, otherwise don't get to experience, like waking up and sitting next to a fire, and I just. I'm thankful that that's the position that I've been in in this this point in my life, and I've just like you know you got to kind of check yourself once in a while and realize that this is the position you've been put in. I could be, you know, 
working some shitty job that I don't want to do anymore, mm-hmm. like, you know, swimming underneath fucking boats and inspecting them in the harbor in Halifax or, you know, swimming in sewer systems around Halifax, cleaning fucking pipes and unclogging goddamn sewage drains, which Absolutely. I've done. But you know what I mean? I get to sit up and take people out. And I, I constantly think about that when I'm out doing trips, say we're, you know, this summer we got to go to Kedji, do an event at Kedji. Yeah. And I'm sitting there in the morning having coffee on a fucking island in the middle of Kejimakujik Park watching the sun come up and going, wow, I'm doing this. This is like, this is amazing that I've been able to gifted this opportunity to be here, but with, just be here. But then I'm here with like 20 other people that are here for that same reason because they want to be within this community and they want to experience the outdoors and nature. And it's just amazing. We're very lucky this year. Um, you know, uh, there's a, there's a lot of shitty things about this pandemic and, and everything that came along with that. Um, but you know, what I heard a lot of this year, um, was, you know, like, holy cow. I didn't know that we had that around here. I didn't know you could experience that around here when people see, you know, my pictures or sharing, sharing videos or whatever. And I've heard a lot of, you know, a lot of people who would normally take a trip to, you know, Cuba and sit on a beach or the Dominican. Drink for five days straight. Yeah. Um, you know, really focus on what's around them and discover, be able to discover these things that you and I get to experience all the time and that most people take for granted because we live on one of the most beautiful islands in the world. There is so much that this place has to offer um, and so much that is is accessible and easy to get to. But then there's also this stuff that we like to do that is not so accessible and not so easy to get to that you need to challenge yourself. You need to work up to to find these treasures that are in the middle of the forest. Yeah. You know, um, so, uh, you know, a lot of people that I know have reconnected uh, a bit with the island and uh, and even our culture here uh, because of this, the situation that we're put in, the travel limitations and whatever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I think that's a really beautiful thing too. Yeah, yeah. The amount of people I heard tell me that this summer was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Crazy, crazy amount of people that didn't even know that, you know, same deal. I got that every day. Well, this is this feels like we're in Dominican. This feels like we're in, you know, especially being in Margarine and getting in the van and we're like shuttling them up the river in a yeah. van all together and picking them up at the end. They're like, oh, this is like a day trip. You know, we took off a resort in Cuba. I took some people up to Indian River, Indian Brook Falls. And uh, part of it, you have to hike in and then you hike down to, you make your way down to the river and then you have to wade in the river to get up parts of it. Yeah. And then there are parts of it that you need to swim across these these lengths of the river. And you're swimming against current. It's not very strong, but um, but the, the, the cliffs that are at the side of you are 60, 70, 80 feet tall. Yeah. And the river just cuts right out of those cliffs. And when you're in there... Like, I mean, it feels like something in the Cayman Islands. It's, it's, it is very, very, very surreal. It's very profound. Um, and they're just like, wow, how do you know about this place? 
you know, like, well, it's on a map. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't a secret, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's the thing too. Everything is, is revealed now with online. Every, everything's, and that was kind of like the bigger thing. And then step back on like me talking about getting in heat this summer. That was a part of that whole, and we're referring to a post that I made this summer, or I'm referring to a post I made this summer. And there was a lot of debate that was, that was aimed. Well, that came from me being a little pissed off about things, but also yeah. trying to be, um, trying to spark a little bit of a conversation about why I've had to, or why I chose to make that type of post. Absolutely. Trying to, trying to spark a conversation with it. A lot of people took it the wrong way. Um, but realistically everything here, like all this, this hidden gem slogan, it's just a fucking marketing term. They're not hidden. Nothing's hidden anymore. It's just trying to educate people to be conscious about the effects of, you know, social media platforms have. And, uh, oh man, I'm glad I've taken like a hiatus off fucking Instagram. (laughs) Jesus, let me tell you that. And like, I went silent as soon as. As soon as we were done doing all of our like winter sales for like clothing and stuff, I just like that's it. I'm going fucking silent on this thing. Yeah, and I'm doing my own thing, and I'm not worrying about it, and just worrying about what's happening within my world that is happening in the moment, not what somebody else is doing elsewhere. Because then I'm, I always have to check myself because I'm comparing myself to other people or businesses or whatever, and I should be doing this, I should be doing this, and it always it plays in your mind until you actually realize that and then you know use it now now social media and instagram has all become like a tool for me to connect with people of similar mindset also to market a business but um i try to have a better that's what i'm trying to this year is have a better relationship with that and deal with what's happening in front of me in my little world like we're doing this podcast and i'm here i'm not fucking distracted yeah from being on you know seeing what who whoever on Instagram is looking at um on the 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 geotags thing and and the the find in the quote you know air quotes hidden gems <laughs> i think like one of the really valuable things we have around here is a lot of really experienced um you know hikers explorers bushcraft um you know, Bushman, I guess. Like, <laughs> I don't know, Chuck, you can, <laughs> I don't know if Chuck can correct me on that, but, <laughs> you know, so there's a lot of people that have been to these places and can offer um, guidance or support or recommendations. Yes. And, you know, like I know personally, I've had people reach out to me. Um, who traveled here from other side parts of the island this year and said, you know, I don't know how to get to here or how do I, what do I need to get to here? Yes. Or, um, I, okay. Uh, I found the trailhead online, but it says that there's a few different trails in there and I'm not sure which one to take, you know, um, reaching out for that experience, uh, and that knowledge is something that uh, a lot of people overlook. They just see something on Instagram, they look it up on a map, and they show up and start hiking. And but but you know, reaching out to people who have that experience is really valuable. Um, I can't count how many times that. Well, when we tried to find the big Humes River Falls, yes, I I, I mean, I reached out to people who had done it, and nobody got back to me. 
um, <laughs> for for a couple of days, right? But I was on my on the drive up there to go and find it, and <laughs> I I knew where one of the falls was. So like, you know, reading the topography and my experience in the woods tells me that it's probably on the same river system, but it wasn't. And I mean, I hiked for thirty five kilometers. I hiked all over the backside of that mountain looking for this waterfall that was on the front side, you know, because (laughs) so and you know, when we got back the next day, uh, there, you know, we got out of the woods and I I got some cell reception and there was directions to it. And I passed right by the little trip, the little off trail that takes you to it. Right. It's not, it's last time I went up. wasn't that that's you're talking like a year and a half ago. It wasn't that marked that well, but no, yeah, yeah. But so, that's that's the benefit of re- and that's the thing that, that there was the disconnect from uh, yeah, my it, that was the disconnect from what I my conversation with people was that they thought that, you know, the term gatekeeper was or gatekeeping was thrown around and it wasn't necessarily that was the point. The point was like if people reach out I have people all the time, we share a picture. I just put Nova Scotia as a geotag, Nova Scotia, Cape Breton, because then people can reach out to me and it does happen. Like, where is this? And I go, Okay. This is where it's at. This is what you're going to need. It's not an easy trip. Like you got to fucking like work to get into this one. And if you're not up in the experience level, then I suggest you doing this, this, and this, and then coming back. And you know, here's the directions how to do it. But this is what you require. And like I've had people t- ask me, "Can you take me here? Because I don't know if I can make it." Yeah. Of course. Yes. You know. Um, Taking taking someone to a place that they really want to go and getting like we like getting back to like pushing someone mm-hmm. or even just helping carry their water, helping get over a brook, that sort of thing, is uh, is is something that you know some people are too stubborn to kind of reach out for that stuff, but <laughs> you know <laughs> it's is available. There's a lot of us that 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 like to do that sort of thing. Yeah. So yeah, reach out, people. Reach out. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, man. Yeah. So that was. Uh, yeah, we're coming up to an. I think we're at an hour now, something like that. So we're gonna wrap it up. But uh, yeah, I'm excited to do this. So so we're gonna do. There's two different trips happening this winter. One I want to do in February, which is crossing the Highlands, and I'm not sure which which way we're gonna go. Um, uh, but the other one is in March, second week in March, and we're going to be doing seawall to um, Pleasant Bay. Exciting! Five days. So um, that it won't necessarily be the actual seawall trail. We'll probably go inland a little bit. Um, but uh, the, uh, I, I have a good crew that's done it multiple times, and so we're just going to do it not as a business, but kind of as as a group of people wanting to do things. Uh, next year, I think we're going to do. Um, plan to do a couple things as a business this winter i just wanted to kind of it's been like so many different winters i just work like a motherfucker so i'm just taking the winter off to fix things around the property plan for this year um but yeah that's going to be the trip so uh get uh get fucking training buddy get after it that's it it's either if it's binary you're going to do it or you're not going to do it we're gonna do it we're gonna fucking do it thanks <laughs> thanks for having me that was great. awesome well uh do you want people to find you on instagram or socials or do you uh, care uh yeah sounds dot of dot fire on instagram feel free add it up check it out do it up well thanks a lot thanks hey man peace